0: What's up, guys? Super excited to let you know that we're now releasing transcripts of the podcast. It's linked in the podcast description. You can also find it on LinkedIn at Danny Langloss in our documents section. If you're not following us on LinkedIn, please do. We're releasing leadership content daily, really driving a ton of engagement. It's our main platform. If you haven't already for the podcast, please hit that subscribe button so you never miss another episode. Please give us a rating or a review. That really helps us reach more people organically. Thank you very much. Let's get after it. There are so many things that impact our ability to achieve success, but none are more important than leadership. Individuals and organizations rise and fall with leadership. We are here to help you rise. Thank you for joining us. This is the Leadership Excellence Podcast. Hello, leaders, and welcome to Leadership Excellence. My name is Danny Langloss. Today, we're joined by Dr. Vince Malinaro. And we're going to talk about a very important topic, mentoring and grooming young leaders, why that's the most important objective for leaders today. Dr. Malinaro is a founder and CEO of Leadership Contract Inc. He's an author, speaker, leadership advisor, researcher. He's helped create one of the leading brands in human capital industry, such an important industry, working with several key sectors, including energy, pharmaceutical, professional services, technology, Financial services, public sector. He's the author of five books. The most recent book, Accountable Leaders, Inspire a Culture Where Everyone Steps Up, Takes Ownership, and Delivers Results. That was released last June. Um, I can't wait to get involved and check that out. His work's been featured in, in many of the world's leading business publications, including Forbes, Harvard Business Review, Inc. Magazine. The World Economic Forum. And he's also the host of Lead the Future podcast. Dr. Malinaro, welcome to the Leadership Excellence podcast.
1: Uh, thanks for having me, Danny. Looking forward to the conversation.
0: Yeah. So, uh, for whatever reason, I have de- so Mal Anaro, or is it Mal Anaro?
1: Molinero, Molinero.
0: arrow okay. So yeah. if it's okay for the for the rest of the show I'm going to call you Vince. Uh, That's perfect. That'll be that'll be really good. Sometimes I have difficulty with names. But Vince, could you share with us like your leadership journey, your experience, kind of what's got you here today?
1: Well, it um it's interesting you begin there because for me it uh, I I kind of wrote about it in in uh Uh, my book, The Leadership Contract, uh, that came out in 2013. And um, I did it at that point in time, because in our leadership development programs, one of the key activities that we do is we actually have leaders kind of look back over their career to identify the experiences that they've had in their life as a whole, or at work uh, through their career, of the experiences that have shaped them to be uh, you know, the leader who they are. And, you know, this is based on ideas that go way back to Warren Bennis, who, who believed that often as leaders, uh, we are mostly impacted by the experiences, the challenges, the tough experiences, the great boss we worked with, the terrible boss we worked with, that great team we we were on, the dreadful team we were on. We were on and so it's really important that leaders have that kind of reflective uh, ability to look back and understand those experiences so for me when I did that uh, it all comes back to me uh, my very first job you know after I graduated uh, from universities it worked in a large public sector organization and it did really important work it helped some of the neediest people in society get their lives back on track and so that work, uh, the work uh, really had purpose, and it was meaningful. But when I joined, I was struck by the day to day environment of the place. It was like uh, it, it was like I was surrounded by zombies, uh, people showing up every day, just going through the motions Monday to Friday, no inspiration from colleagues, no inspiration from supervisors and managers. And I remember there being like, you know, 22 kind of going, is this it? Is this what the world of work is going to be like? Yeah. And, and then there was one leader who a few years later took me under her wing, uh, joined me, asked me to join her to turn that culture around, which we did. Uh, and then I began to see the impact that one manager had. Unfortunately, she had to leave the organization because she was diagnosed with lung cancer, Um, had to start her treatments immediately and things didn't look good for her. Many months later, I visited her. And in that visit, she told me about her experience as a manager in that organization. Then she believed uh, it was this toxic culture that she experienced day in and day out as a senior leader that contributed to her disease. It was staggering. And that was a trigger for me. Um, I became passionate about leadership and culture and uh, after she passed away, and she wrote me a letter two weeks before she died that I've kept to this this point in time. I included in the book uh, because it really challenged me. She was really the first mentor I had. Okay. It wasn't formalized. It was it was really informal. But really, when I look back at it, that's who she was. That's what she did. And I really got to feel what it's like to be supported what it's like to have someone in your corner looking out for you, guiding you. And like she did, challenging me when I needed to be challenged. And and then I left that organization uh, at 27, started my own consulting company. And uh, basically since then, this is what I've been doing. I've been working with leaders, managers, to help them really create inspiring cultures, help them grow the next generation of leaders. And I've done that through my own leadership roles as I've led companies. in leadership practices, um, certainly in Canada where I'm based uh, and then globally uh, with other roles. And now I'm back in my entrepreneurial uh, uh, adventure because ultimately that's who I am at the core. I'm an entrepreneur and that's what I love to do and, and, and working with companies around the world and leaders around the world. Wow. Uh, and so th- those are the insights uh, that I share in my books and in my speeches and certainly in our leadership programs really to help leaders understand what does it really mean to be a leader today And what I've learned is ultimately it's accountability that differentiates great leaders from mediocre ones. And we really need to help leaders understand uh, that they got to lead with accountability and one of the primary accountabilities that they have. And I believe it's even stronger, an obligation that they have is to be a mentor, um, is to really groom the next generation of leaders.
0: So powerful, so powerful. Do you mind sharing the name of, of your mentor?
1: Uh, her name was Zinta. Zinta? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And, and since, you know, and, and there were others who I've had, you know, since that time. And, and I think what's interesting is while you're in a leadership role, you have a responsibility and an obligation, as I say, to be the mentor uh, and to groom others. I think sometimes when you are in a leadership role, particularly if you're new to the role, uh, regardless of your age, you need to also be uh, actively finding your own mentors, um, and that's you know that that that's that's what I've done. People who have been through the trenches have had a lot of experiences, who are prepared to you know sit down with you informally to, to give you perspectives. Uh, certainly, in a company I was with, the chair of the board played that role for me. I, w- I would probably meet with him three times a year. He clearly knew uh, what my team and I were driving from a business standpoint, but I found it really valuable for him just to, you know, he always seemed to be many steps ahead of me in my thinking because he was an accomplished CEO and C-suite leader and board director. And, and it always helped me to think about what I needed to pay attention to next, what I may have been missing uh, in my own leadership role because I was heads down in execution mode. And, and so I think it's a, I think there's a dual piece here is, is we got to help others grow and groom them and mentor them. And at the same time, if your organization doesn't have a formal practice, go out and find your own.
0: Yeah, no, very powerful. What, what an incredible experience. You, you, you shared so many things there that, that are just incredible. You talk about accountability, lead with accountability, and, and responsibility for us to mentor and groom and, you know, another word to use, coach, you know, the, the people that we serve. One of the things we talk about a lot is great leaders are great multipliers. Yeah. Right? You're you're preparing people for the future. And in too many organizations, we wait until somebody gets in a role, especially a leadership role, before we even open their eyes to what leadership really is. You know, they've come up through the ranks seeing, okay, the boss makes the decisions. I go to them, the boss, she has all the answers, right? The boss sets the policies and sets the direction. And, you know, all the things I just talked about, really, there's a flip side to that. And then that's that transition to leadership. But just because we give somebody a title, it doesn't fill them with all those things. So when you talk about mentoring and, and grooming, you know, specifically what, what's the difference between training somebody to do a job, right. And, Mentoring. What, what's what's the difference about mentorship? How do you how do you define and dig into that?
1: Yeah, I mean, a, a lot of people uh, who specialize in this have kind of defined it. I mean, how I see it is is really, you know, it, it's it's really kind of a a relationship with someone who has, you know, who has uh, kind of been there, uh, has done it well, and and really knows how to, you know, kind of guide. Um, impart their wisdom, you know, and then figure out where that that individual leader is and kind of what they need to really accelerate their development, right? Because I think that's, to your point, you know, research shows that people are in managerial roles 19 years before they get any formal development. Yeah. Which, is, which is absolutely crazy if you think about leadership being critical, critical roles. And then let's be honest, it's a bit of a crapshoot as to whether you get to work with a great leader or a mediocre one or an insecure one, right? And and so uh, years ago, you know, a good friend of mine who's a senior HR executive always would say to me, you know, if ever I was looking for a role, say, really make sure about the relationship and who this manager is that you're going to be working for, because yeah. they will dictate so much of your success. If, you, know, if, you know, Dan, if you're my manager and you're a little bit insecure or, or it's all about you and you're a narcissist, no one's ever going to grow under you. Ever so, you're going to need to find someone who basically is invested in your success, and to your earlier point, really believes that leadership is about creating more leaders. It's that multiplier effect that that you talked about, because that's the only way you're going to grow. You know, you're going to grow a company, you're going to grow success. You know, in in the book The Leadership Contract, I reference a quote from Sam Palmisano. Now he was um, the, uh, the the CEO of IBM before Jeannie uh, Rametti, And he was interviewed near the end of his 11 year stint as CEO about how he thought about his leadership role. And he said, it's, it's really simple. It's about, uh, you know, leaving the people and the company in better shape than I found it. Yeah. And so if you're a leader every day, you need to be asking yourself, how am I leaving my company and my team in better shape so that if I win the lottery and I leave, can, can this team just keep going? Have I, have do I have a successor or two ready? Should I decide to get, if I get a promotion or whatnot, right? Or is my team completely dependent upon me? And so you need to be, um, you know, a little bit selfless that way. It's not all about you, that a big part of your role is to invest in in, in that, uh, you know, in that kind of development. So then going back to that definition of what is a mentor, it's someone who's a guide, who can sit down with you? It's not a performance conversation. That's why sometimes your manager isn't always a natural uh, person to be a mentor because they're a little bit more focused on what did you deliver this quarter. They're a little bit more focused on, on, on the metrics, and sometimes that yeah. creates a dynamic that isn't great for mentoring. Not to say that your mentor can't your sorry your manager can't be a great mentor. Some definitely can be. Um, you know, and the way to do that, uh, certainly, what I've always done, I still do with my team, is every month we have a half-hour call, and I say to my directs, "This is your this is your meeting. We're not talking about your performance. We're not talking about anything about metrics. This is about this is a career conversation." And and so they're free to to leverage me however they feel is necessary to to walk talk you know to walk through problems to think about how they need to be thinking about their role. And then when I show up, it's, it's just, I know I'm there for them, right? It's a career conversation. It's to help them be more effective as a person in their career, but not talking about what did you do on this project? Why are we behind? Why, you know, all those sorts of things. So separating that out is a helpful strategy if you're a manager who aspires to be a mentor.
0: No. So when, in, when I did a little bit of research for this, and I've been talking about coaching and the important aspects of being a good coach. The difference between coaching and training, but then, then mentorship even goes one step further, right? Because training is we're going to specifically teach a person how to do this job. Yeah. Coaching is going to be around not telling them but asking great questions to bring out what's inside of them to figure out specific facts and circumstances. And then mentorship becomes a shift about the bigger picture and about really the evolution of who it is we want to become. It's mentoring somebody is more about helping them prepare for the future, whatever that is in their overall development and goals, not anything specific. And as you pointed out, really importantly, it's not performance based, Whereas I think coaching definitely can be performance-based. It can also be decision-making and helping them through that and still about being a multiplier, whereas training is more guiding and directing. And so I think the hard part, and this is what I want you to help us bring to life, is that bosses, leaders, they're, they're really good at, because most people got promoted by being really good at their job. So they're really good at telling somebody how to do the job. And when somebody comes into the office and they have a question or they need something, it is, it's it's so much quicker and easier to say just do this or to make the decision for them. Yeah. But it's a lot more difficult to ask questions and coach and bring yeah. things out of them. And then I think it's even more difficult to step into that next phase to mentor to really about helping that person, right? Guide them, provide yeah. wisdom, yeah. right? To accelerate their growth. more holistically so what are some tips you can share to help bosses and leaders transition from that telling or showing to this more holistic approach what are some key aspects of that mentorship
1: well you know i you know i think i think it's um so on the part of the leader um so In the leadership contract, I I talk about this idea of a contract that 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 a lot of people don't realize when they've taken a leader signed up to take on a leadership role, they've actually signed up for something really important. Because as humans, we have high expectations of anybody in a leadership role, as a company does, right? Whether you're a supervisor, team lead, middle manager, director, VP in the C suite, doesn't matter. It's the same, it's the same thing. And so So, you know, a big part of your role, particularly when you're managing leaders at any stage of their their development is is helping them understand what they have signed up for, you know, number one. Number two, um, and that means that that contract, like any contract, comes with a set of four terms. So I use this as kind of the guide to answer the question. The first one starts, it's a decision that the leader has to make. you know, to to be all in and fully committed to, to to being to being a leader, and a lot of people don't do that. They 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 a don't know there's a contract. B they don't uh, they they think by being given uh, the the title that they've arrived and don't don't realize that that's just a starting point. Uh, and and it's so it's a new beginning. It's not a decade. it's a new beginning, right? And so I think one of the things that you have to do as a as a as a mentor is is be deliberate in deciding that. Being a mentor is very different than being a manager of performance, right? So that's, that's point number one. And that's not to say that you're never gonna tell. Sometimes it's just more expedient to tell in a particular, right? Like an actor who has range, as a, as a leader, you've gotta have range to know that sometimes you do need to tell. Sometimes you need a more facilitative question-based approach. And sometimes you need to pull back and be more of that mentor. Where, where you're having a, a, a very um, you know le- less directed conversation to help someone really understand how to pay, what to pay attention to, how to think about their role more meaningfully, how to think about their obligation that they're doing that sort of separates out performance, right? So it's, it's a bit of a higher, and I think the way you described it, right? There's, there's sort of the telling, there's the training, there's the coaching, there's the developing and then there's the mentoring you know, I'm sure it fits on a continuum that way. So I think, I think you've got to be deliberate at it because I don't think mentoring happens by accident. So that's, that's number one. Number two, it's the sense of obligation is to know, to have a bit of a vision or help the, the manager or leader have a vision of where are you now? Where do you need to be? And how do I contribute to nudging that person to where they need to be, how they think about their role, uh, how they elevate themselves to become a more sophisticated, uh, more effective leader. So that, that's that second place, having a vision of, of where the person is to where they, they need to be. The third element that I talk about is that, that it's hard work and, and, and particularly that sometimes the value you bring is, is actually... Um, bringing to that person's attention something that might be in a blind spot, that you may have to give that person some feedback that they may not want to hear. And you got to have the courage to do that because sometimes I've seen, particularly in organizations, they set up these really formal mentoring roles and nothing really tangible happens because the mentor just you know, actually sees it as a as a nuisance. <laughs> uh, it's like oh, here's another hour. I gotta where am I gonna you know how am I gonna make up this hour? But they do it because they think they're supporting the company, but they're not really leveraging. I've se- seen so many leaders say, "Well, I've got this relationship set up, but I never meet with the person, um, or when I do, they spend all their time talking about themselves, but I'm not getting any value of it, out of it, right? It's, and so, so you've got to you've got to kind of understand. The, the hard things you need to do, and that it's all about that individual. It's not about you. Uh, uh, and what that means is sometimes you need to have the courage to, to confront that. And the fourth thing is understanding, you know, the role you have in helping showcase uh, the mentees, um, uh, to, to showcase them to others in, in an organization, assuming this is, you know, the mentors within the organization. W- what are their results? Uh, what has this person contributed? What has this person's team contributed? Connecting uh, that leader to other senior leaders in the organization when it's sort of like, listen, you know, maybe you need some help in, 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 f- all things financial and accounting. Well, let me connect you with this person here. Or, you know, you're working on this project, it looks like it, you know, or or you're working on something as a leader that you need to elevate. I know this other leader who's really good at this, let's connect you there. So so it's you're connecting them to other other potential uh, leaders who can help their development, help their thinking, help them accelerate their development. So, you know, to recap, You got to be deliberate. You got to decide to be the the mentor Two, it's part of your obligation to have a clear sense of where the person is, help them understand where they are to where they want to be or need to be and and make that clear. Third, sometimes you need to give tough feedback because that's that's what's getting in their way and and have the courage to do that. And and, and finally, you've got to showcase them to others in the organization and, and the manager needs to do that as well. Uh, and if it's the same person perfect and then also connect them connect them to other senior leaders who can also play a role in accelerating their development
0: wow so much so much gold in their events so many great things i you know i love to take notes when i'm when i'm interviewing people um it, it helps me remember and retain it also helps you know um, finalize crystallize thoughts make us better but you know that decision you know you said something earlier like people get promoted and they think they've arrived. Your your next level promotion isn't a destination. It's a new beginning. When you get promoted, a lot of people think, well, now I have less people I'm, I report to. No, now you have more people to report to because true, true leaders, right? Understand that they report to the people they lead. And, and the farther we go up in the organization, the more people that we have to report to. This obligation, we get so busy in the day-to-day get so stuck in the fires, you're overwhelmed. You know, nobody is sitting around, not in a good organization and saying, oh, I wonder what I'll do next. Right. Like, oh man, I'm bored. I wish I had more to do because they're they're, and And so this mentor relationship, this intentional bringing somebody up to 30,000 feet thinking about, you know, Stephen Covey talks about beginning with the end in mind, Mm -hmm. asking questions like, where do you want to go? what are your goals? If, 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 if you could accomplish one thing, what would it be? And a mentor truly caring about and, and seeking to help the person uncover what are their goals? What is their vision? Understanding that vision exists, tying into what are you passionate about and helping with that self-discovery. I love to talk about the tough feedback. You know, Brene Brown talks a lot about, you know, caring enough to confront. And then the, the last thing about the showcasing them, mentors are, to me, they're great cheerleaders.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: They give people, I think one of the most powerful gifts you can give somebody is the gift of believing in them. Yeah. So mentors help, you know, as human beings, we create, you know, low ceilings and tight walls and mentors and coaches really help shatter that ceiling, tear down those walls and help people see more in them uh, than they see in in themselves. You, so, so, so much gold there and the intentionality. The one thing I want to do right now is challenge listeners in our network of people. Are you a mentor? Have you ever thought about it specifically? Who are you mentoring? What are your goals and objectives of that? And do you have a mentor yourself? And in yeah. my case, I have five different mentors intentionally from five different sectors because, you know, as the police chief, especially, and even now as a city manager, there we just come across a lot of things. They're big decisions. They have big impacts on people's lives and we want to eliminate our blind spots. And then we also don't want to get into this group. Think about our organization and profession thinks about it this way and to get different ideas in that.
1: Yeah. So. Well, and you're doing exactly what I think we should all be doing, right? You know, if you're part of an organization that believes in leadership development and mentoring and it puts formal mechanisms in place, awesome. Uh, But that, and if you're in one that 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 isn't the case, that shouldn't prevent you from really taking your role seriously. And it's not about that. it you know, doesn't need to come from a place of, well, isn't that me kind of showing that I'm not confident in myself? No, it's that the role of leadership at any level is, is, is highly complex, highly challenging, highly demanding. And it's, again, you, it's your obligation to be the best you can be. And why wouldn't you, you know, assemble a group of mentors like you had, or advisors that you can go to from time to time to say, yeah. hey, I'm I'm dealing with this and here's how I'm thinking about it. Would love, you know, would love your help and uh, just help me think through this, right? Or, you know, and, and you know, what's also ha- it really interesting, uh, and this has been my experience is um, I've had people kind of that I've known in my network and whatnot that every, you know, uh, they reach out to me and we have conversations and they, they would say, you know, to me, you know, I remember a conversation I had with you 10 years ago, and it was a pivotal conversation. And I see yeah. you as a mentor and I kind of go, oh, okay, well, that's great. I didn't even realize that's what was happening. Right. So sometimes we can be, when we're adding that kind of value, um, we can be, um, we can play that role of a mentor to, to a lot of, to, to a lot of people. But what was great in those examples is not me is that they were active in reaching out to me. Like I've done, I reach out like you do. I reach out to people to do it and, and I think part of the struggle is, as we go back to how do people become, uh, get into leadership roles? And I've asked this question wherever I've traveled and I, you know, I've traveled to like 25 countries, 80 cities around the world. And the number one answer as to how people get into leadership roles is by accident. Uh, the number two answer uh, is because they excelled at something technical, right? They were the best engineer, the best salesperson, uh, the best accountant, the best analyst, uh, it doesn't matter what area of expertise is, you excel at that and your performance, you know, sticks out relative to everyone else. We go to those people and say, yes. you're so great at this thing. Now we're going to give you this other job that has nothing to do with that thing. Good luck with that. And, and if you get some support and development early on, awesome, but you rarely do. And then the third reason that people get into leadership roles, is because of tenure. You've just been around longer than anyone. Let's give it to Danny. He's been with us for 15 years. He deserves it. Whether Danny wants the role or not is almost irrelevant. And then when you're in the role, you feel compelled to stay in it because, hey, you feel good that the organization has has spotted you and you see it as a a vote of confidence. It's a role that has better titles. It's a role that pays more generally, but you may not fully understand what it means to be a leader. And so, um, you know, again, if you're supported, awesome. But if you're not, then you've got to take charge of your own leadership development and, and get the advisors and mentors you need in place to help you be as successful as you can be, because it's a tough role, whether you're a team lead supervisor or sitting in the C-suite as a CEO.
0: Yeah, leadership is not for the faint of heart. Uh, Absolutely leadership not. Leadership is not about mm-hmm. glory and status. It's funny. One of the questions I ask and in some of the trainings I do like right away is I say, Why do you lead? Because I believe that why we lead directly translates into how we lead. If we're leading uh, for status, for leading for glory, if we're going to make all the decisions and we're going to lead through power and control, right? If we think we're the smartest person and we know the best and we're going to micromanage, right? But if, if, if we really want to help other people, serve other people, if, if we have a desire to see other people succeed and excel, then we're going to lead through service and empowerment, right? Yeah. If it's really about the organization and everybody else, and these people that, you know, talk about accidentally come into leadership, um, th- that's a powerful thing. So just because somebody originally was drawn to the status or thought they had better ideas doesn't mean they can't be a servant leader, but we've got to be intentional about why we lead and what we want to accomplish and what our values are. Mm-hmm. And, and people, as they think about this idea of mentorship and grooming and, and being a multiplier, um, yeah. that, that's not something somebody's born with. That, that's something yeah. intentional.
1: Yeah. It, it, sorry, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. Yeah, yeah, no. So that's very, very, aligned with my thinking about that. You know, deliberateness and intentionality. The other thing to, to, to think about in terms of a, a strategy, whether you take it on for yourself or the organization uh, does it, I, I write about, you know, the, this these sort of this leadership contract <clears throat> and these expectations. Um, they shift at some key turning points in, over, you know, a career. So the first time someone becomes a manager right, is, is a critical turning point, right? If you've been a member of the team, and now you're leading the team, that's not an insignificant leap. And so people um, in those situations really need to be supported. The next time, the first time you you become a middle manager, that's another significant leap, because now you are working across the organization more, having to deal with peers and other departments and functions to kind of execute strategy. And it becomes a little more uh, of shared accountability, right? Less so than you holding yourself accountable or building a team that's accountable. <clears throat> You're now needing to, you know, work with people that you have no, no formal authority over. And you've got to, you know, form relationships. You've got to build credibility. you got to build trust to get important work done. Right, you can't just kind of hide in your in some leaders do this hide in your own little. Which team. is true
0: leadership. <laughs> what you just described as true leadership. Yeah, right? yeah,
1: yeah. And then the the, the final uh, turning point is the first time you you get into an executive leadership role. Like like the, the the scrutiny changes, the pressure changes, the demand changes, and and those are the times where you know if I were you know in a company saying when are when are the best times to ensure there are mentors available? I would I would focus my energy on those times because, you know, anytime someone really does take on a leadership role of, of significance and they enter that turning point, um, you know, the data suggests, particularly at the senior level, you know, 40% of people fail. So, so we're not supporting leaders well enough uh, uh, if, if we've got 40% of them failing, you know, if you think about the churn, uh, the loss of, uh, you know, time and money and progress from a company standpoint, you know, it, it, you know I, would, I, would, I would hone in on those moments in particular uh, so that you give mentoring far more focus to, to, to really create the, its most maximum value when it matters most, um, you know, for, for a leader.
0: And I think the reason we don't see that support you're talking about is because one thing there's not a surplus of in our country and in our companies is leadership. Mm -hmm. I mean, it it is, it is the exception, not the rule to, to be surrounded by great leaders. It it really is.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and, and the, 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 the amazing thing is, I mean, I've got global data, you know, that reflects that is, um, you know, uh, over 3000 respondents, senior leaders around the world, over 20, uh, sectors, it's covered in the leadership contract book, and I've got new research that I share in accountable leaders. Um, uh, you know, um, only 51, uh, 51% of leaders are seen as being unaccountable. 80% of teams are seen as being mediocre. And uh, and two thirds, 66% of organizations don't feel they've built the leadership culture they need to be successful. So in spite of the billions and billions of dollars spent in leadership development uh, and all the attention this topic Gets right, you know. When you know what my editor at Wiley uh, told me years ago, you know, next to you know romance novels and cookbooks, leadership is probably the next is the next in line of the most uh, the most published topic. So there's no shortage of great ideas out there uh, of people writing uh, leadership books. So what you know what's going on, right? And and here's the other thing I've learned is that 80% of organizations admit that they do nothing about leaders and managers who are struggling in their roles. They know they're mediocre, they know they're unaccountable, but they don't know how to help them get better. And and that's really a tragedy. You know, you Mm -hmm. take all this time, you get this great person, you put them in a role, you don't support them. They're dealing with, you know, some do succeed. And and some people do get into leadership roles deliberately because that's something that they really wanna do. They have a passion for it. They see it uh, as part of their purpose. And, and they're okay. But to your point, they're the minority. And so that's why I, I, I say it begins with a decision. And sometimes the decision is to know yourself well enough to say, this isn't for me.
0: No, absolutely. Right? I've, I've only seen a few people do that. You know, it's funny you talked about this and I'm going to ask you for a call to action for our listeners. Um, I don't know how many times I've gone to classes and trainings and listened to great speakers and hear them talk about what I think are the highest levels of leadership and share these stories. And I go with a team full of people. um, And and mainly this was years ago. And I walk out like just blown away by these new ideas and concepts. How can I put them into place? And the people around me are saying, yeah, I I mean, that's, that's what I do every day. And I'm thinking to myself, you're not even in that stadium. Like you're not even in that sport. What do you mean? And right. I think that's why, while there's no shortage in great material and content and speakers and books, and you know you can see it everywhere, but that's why people are failing because you talked about one of the responsibilities of mentors is I ID blind spots. We have so many blind spots as human beings. And if we haven't been fortunate enough to have mentors to point those out to us, like we think we're doing it and we're not. Like if, if somebody watched themselves back in a movie that show what they're really doing, I think they would be just generally surprised and dumbfounded. And I think that is one of the issues. So this mentoring topic um, is is such an important thing. And I really appreciate you bringing that to life today. And, you know, if you're up for it, I, I probably would love, you know, and really soon to bring you back and talk about this idea and concepts of accountable leadership, because we can do everything right within an organization. And if there isn't accountability, it will fail and it will fall. And, and that I think is what really leads. And you think about like toxic cultures that you spoke about earlier, yeah, that all yeah. begins with the lack of accountability and accountability is not yeah. a bad term. Um, but, but so I'd be interested in that. So, so Vince, I really appreciate you joining us today. Thank you so much. Do you have a call to action for our listeners?
1: Well, you know, I, I think it gets back to the, the, the theme of, of this, of this session today, right. Is, is, you know, mentoring, um, you know, is critical. If you're in a leadership role, you kind of need to see it as part of your obligation. And that primary obligation is to leave your, your, your team and your company and the people that you lead in better shape than you found it. And I think it's a, it's a really simple measure. I love that quote from Paul Misano. Um, and it's one that's, that's, that's pretty tangible, right? You can kind of sit there at the end of each week to go, what have I done this week? Uh, to leave my team, my people, um, uh, the employees I lead and my company in better shape than I found it the week before, you know, just the Monday, you know, what have I done? And mentoring is a critical part of that. Uh, you're not going to be successful if you uh, do it by, you know, do it, you know, do it without intention. So you've got to be deliberate and know that it's not a performance conversation. Know that it's not about, you know, it's, it's that ability for you to step back, make it about that person, help them get to another level of thinking to help them be able to elevate themselves so they can accelerate the performance of the people that they lead. So th- that's kind of the flow I would uh, have people think about. So thanks, Danny, for the opportunity to chat. No,
0: no thank you. Thank you. Uh, Dr. Vince Malamaro, um, so much gold. This is next level leadership, right? This This is truly leadership. Having a title isn't, isn't really leadership, that's being a boss, that's being a manager, but this is next level leadership. We have this duty, this responsibility. And if we truly are leading in service of other people, that there's no better way to serve somebody else than through mentorship and this gift of guiding, supporting, wisdom, challenging when when appropriate, helping them see beyond the horizon, helping them see the bigger picture to fully achieve their full potential, their goals, but really the impact they were put, you know, on this earth to have and, and to create. Mentoring is about being deliberate, as you talked about. You've talked about these four these four stages. You know, initially being deliberate, being you know the obligation to create that vision, the hard work, the, the putting in the work, having the conversations, asking the questions, giving the honest feedback. And when we do that from a place of love, and I care about you, and I'm here to help you, that becomes so much easier. And then really showcasing these people becoming cheerleaders, yeah. introducing them, connecting them to people, uh, such powerful, powerful things. Thank you again yeah. for joining us on the Leadership Excellence Podcast.
1: Well, and I think just to, just to close out, something that just inspired me, if I go back to my mentor, Zinta, right? She, she didn't just help me in my role. She changed my life. And I think that's what mentors can do. Some leaders and some managers can definitely do that. But most likely when they'll do that is because they played a more of a role of a mentor than, you know, a role of a manager, right? And harping on your performance. It was that they were able to step back and really support you in a way. So my mentor, two weeks before she died, found it in herself to write me a letter, right? Who does that? Great leaders do that. Great mentors do it. And it's a letter I've kept since that time, decades and decades ago, because of that kind of impact. So that's, uh, I think, how we have to think about it and why we have to think about the obligation, because it's not just about helping someone become a better better employee. It's about potentially impacting the trajectory of someone's life.
0: Wow. Boom. Explanation point. She's an amazing person and her legacy lives on through you. And, And that is one of the greatest tributes that you can pay to somebody. To our listeners, thank you so much for joining us today. What an incredible episode. So many pieces of gold here. Uh, Dr. Vince, uh, we're just so grateful for you. Uh, If you haven't already, please hit that subscribe button so you never miss another episode. Consider leaving a rating and review. That way we can help reach more people. And remember, always be committed to excellence.